Hey guys, I'm Rob. And I'm Ashton. And this is the We Held It Together podcast. A podcast on faith, marriage, and mental health. And a bunch of random stuff. We hope you enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back. Good morning. Vietnam. (laughs) Um, We are coming today with quite the subject matter. I think it's been one of our most dreaded podcast episodes to record. Hence last week's Q&A. Yeah, because we we know that this week is going to be going to be a hard week for us. Um in the sense of it's a really heavy conversation. Um we are diving into the conversation about Robert's manic episode and for those of you that don't know what a manic episode is, Robert, do you want to explain that? <laughs> sure. So, um, it's just like hyper everything. So you feel on top of the world. Um, you have a lot of blackout, uh, in memory. Um, they, people say that, you know, you might be hypersexual. You might be hyper, um, money, sp- like a money spender. You might be hyper, um, just you know, I want to go off on my meds, that can be a manic episode. Um, So things like that are things that maybe would have been really big points of um, oversight, or I don't know what I'm trying to say, not oversight, but those would have been really big points of kind of awareness for me had I known what this would have looked like in um, Robert and in our marriage. But I think I was unaware. So we'll kind of just, I guess, dive into the manic episode. Yeah, this is something, it's not going to be easy for me, especially. It's not going to be easy. I'd rather not talk about this, if I'm being honest. Yeah, and I think for me, it's hard to relive because it's something I've worked so hard to move past. But I do feel like this is something that we have to tell because it would be doing an injustice to our listeners, to us, um, to not share our story. I feel like this is something that we really need to kind of put in the the puzzle pieces with for you guys because we feel like um, this is this is how we figured out that Robert had bipolar type two, and yeah, this is kind of the starting point to when the hospitalization started and um, everything else. So yeah, you know we're doing this because sadly I'm not the only one. Yeah. <laughs> and like I said, it's not easy, but, you know, I, I know that God will use it. And I know that there's other people out there struggling with similar situations, cravings, addiction. You know, we're going to talk about all that. And, um, yeah, we're just going to get real. Yeah. Well, let's put out the dirty laundry. Let's do it. <laughs> um, I mean,. I will quickly preface before we just dive in is um, this is a hard conversation, but it's a good conversation. It is a redemptive conversation. So this is a story of redemption and a story of success in a marriage and success in working through this and coming out on the other side. So I think so often we can get bogged down in the negative of what has happened and it's easy to look back and and, and see that as a really hard time, but I want to just be 
encouraging to everybody who's listening who might be like, what the actual heck just happened? Yeah. But um, this is a story of redemption as well because God does forgive. And I forgave Robert before he even asked me for forgiveness in this whole situation. And we all know that God redeemed Robert when he had his son die for us. So um, I just want to throw all of that out there before we kind of dive into this because I think your story is a hard story to hear. And yeah, it's, um, it's something that you have been forgiven for from both myself and by the Lord. And I hope that you've forgiven yourself. I think you have. Yeah, I think I have too. Uh, I mean, not by myself, but it's something the Lord has shown me. I mean, the cool thing is not that this is a reason. This should never be a reasoning, but you know, it's just a greater redemption story from totally. what God saved me from. And yeah, his love. And I mean, you know, we're all have sin in our life. And yeah. um, the more you understand just the amazing love of the Lord, you know, it's, That'll break through anything, any yeah. heart. Let's tell the people of this story of love and redemption. So what would you say the kind of starting point was for your manic episode? So I think a big starter was after the fire, um, just dealing with a lot of stress, anxiety, depression. And so I guess our best thought was, hey, let's go to the doctor and let's talk to him about this. And right. at that time, I was still going through the general practitioner. And so I went, I told him about just what I was going through. And of course, yeah, the fire escalated things, you know, knowing what I do now. Um, you know, I had doctors from the VA tell me, basically, it, it triggered some PTSD from deployment, kind of that high stressor environment. And it's something I never really came down from. And so just to make things worse, it was that. Plus, when I did go to the doctor, he doubled my antidepressant, which is, you know, if you're in this world, you know. That's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. And I didn't know that. But if you've been in it for a little while, you should know. Everything is super slow. Right, slowly move up, slowly move down. Yeah, and I remember your mom really questioning that when you had mentioned it to her. But we felt like it was what the doctor said, so yeah. why wouldn't we trust it? But And it was from a pretty high dose to, like, the max dose. Yeah, I think you went from, like, 60 milligrams to 120 milligrams. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, that was kind of the recipe for disaster um, because with bipolar... So you have extreme highs, extreme lows, and what an antidepressant does, it brings your mood up. Mm -hmm. So imagine going from 60 to 120, so it just skyrockets it. It's the dopamine dump, everything else. So it just sent me into a hypermanic episode. Right, and you were already, we, we were, you were living in such a depressed state for so long, and then we had the fire, so it was like this overwhelming emotional trauma and then you get sent into this hyper manic state and so it's just like bam 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 of all these things that kind of happened all at the same time within a matter of weeks of everything so I mean I think that was the same week as the fire I mean I remember we were at Sydney and Harrison's when you told me that 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it, it was just like a matter of weeks that you had all of this happen. So, you know, going into June and July, we're looking at kind of maybe a not so emotionally checked in Robert. Um, yeah, I was, I was actually just thinking about that now. It really, during that time, it kind of cuts, it's like emotional blunting in a sense. Yeah. Where like empathy, apathy, um, all that kind of goes away. Yeah, I mean, And I there's know. terrible stories, unfortunately, of that playing out, you know. But even like cleaning the house, you didn't care. You know, doing dishes didn't care. Just regular day-to-day things that I think were something that you really took pride in as a partnership with me as your wife, you checked out from, you know, you, and not that like we have chores in our house because we don't, I mean, like I cook most of the meals. Yeah. But you know, you usually help me with the dishes or you're the one who takes out the trash and you know, you kind of just checked out from all of it. It was like me taking out the trash, me doing the dishes, me, you know, and I did feel this like heavy burden, but I think I was so bogged down with Robert is in such a bad state mentally right now. I don't have the heart to come to him and tell him that I'm struggling with carrying the weight of everything, including doing the bills, you know, working, all this kind of stuff that I felt like was just so overwhelming that I didn't feel like I could come to you and tell you that I was struggling as well. Yeah. And I I know that there were times where that, you know, I couldn't even really even open that up because it, I saw how much you were doing and saw how much I was failing. And so it would just spin me even more. Yeah. It would kind of make you go worse and worse and worse into a hole of like, I'm pathetic I'm a loser all that kind of stuff yeah just the negative thoughts yeah so um I guess from from going into the manic state you know we went into that month of June and then July towards the end of July you started self-medicating um yeah so So, um I wasn't sleeping really much at all no and um which was so unlike you And I think that should have been a a sign right then and there because you are... As she sips wine. Sorry, guys. We needed a (laughs) glass of wine just to kind of, you know, get through this. But that sounds so dependent. But um, Robert is a kind of guy who sleeps like a loaf. (laughs) Like, he just, like, falls asleep at the drop of a hat and, like, is non-responsive. No, and, like, that's, that's something from the military. You sleep when you can and you sleep anywhere. Yeah, and you, you don't get woken up from, like, anything. I mean, even this morning I woke you up to turn off your alarm and you have no recollection of that at all. And so I think yeah. it's just things like that that when he was going from going to bed at, like, 9.30 or 10 every night to then not sleeping for nights and days at a time... It should have been a red flag for me, but you were very blasé about it. So I think I just kind of was also blasé about it. Yeah. And maybe I was so bogged down in emotional stuff too that I kind of just was like, whatever. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm trying to think. You know, honestly, I was at such a vulnerable spot and, um, it's actually something called hypomania too, which 
which I think is more where it was at. Yeah. In the sense of like just an intense depressive state and, um, you know, vulnerable, vulnerable to the enemy's attack. And I think that's what exactly what happened. There was, um, someone that came up in my life, uh, and a very bad influence. Someone that we both had known that, um, had reached out to Robert and just said like, Hey, you know, I saw the fire happened, just wanted to check in. Yeah. And I think that kind of probably opened up dialogue. I'm not really sure. Like, I think I was aware that he had reached out to you. I think he had also reached out to me at some point. Um, but I think, and, and as so many people did, so I think it was just kind of like out the window again for me. But yeah. I think this opened up a dialogue with between you and him. I don't really know what happened, but it was kind of like, hey man, why don't you come see me? I live kind yeah, of locally. Yeah, just like, you come on by, I'd love to see you, um, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, I was working construction then, um, so we had like a rain day and... I just decided to head on over there and I knew, well, I'll say this, a lot of this I don't remember. Um, the way it was explained to me by some doctors was you kind of remember the big events, but the smaller kind of mundane stuff really just goes out the window, which is scary, honestly. A lot of this, not to go too far off, but a lot of this has kind of been told to me or there's been text or emails or you know yeah people just you know reaching out to Ashton and it, it's scary it it took me so long to come to grips with it because you know it's like no that's not me I didn't do that I never would do that no but you did yeah and it was like it freaks you out it's like I'm not in control and, um, but yeah, going back, so I, I went over to his house and, um, that just opened up Pandora's box. Yeah. I mean, he's, um, pretty heavily involved in drug dealing. Into um, the drug world. And I think I knew that. I, I don't particularly know if. Yeah. And I, I knew, I knew Ashton would not approve. And so that was something I kept from her. I was so desperate. And honestly, in the back of my mind, maybe even knew that that might be a possibility. When going to his house, like you kind of knew like maybe he might offer me some stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I was living in my own hell and, um, you know, just at a point where, I mean, Whatever you could get your hands on to numb out with, like, because I think at that point in the at time, that summer, I think I had confronted you about maybe excessive alcohol usage. And I remember saying to you, Robert, there's a lot of drinking going on. I mean, you are drinking, you know, three or four glasses of whiskey a night and then finishing it with a few beers. Like, that's a lot for anybody. But for you who was going from not really drinking that much and then you're on an antidepressant and now you're drinking all this liquor and beer and like every single night you'd come home from work and you'd pop open a beer and I remember confronting you about it 
and you quit cold turkey. So I was like, great, like that was easy. That wasn't even like that hard of a conversation. But little did I know that I think you had gone from numbing out with alcohol to transitioning into this numb out with medicine or not medicine. That was a bad word to use. It's not medicine. (laughs) Numbing out with um, drugs and whatever drugs that you kind of felt like were a good thing for you to get your hand on at the time. Um, And yeah, I remember thinking at one point being in this dilemma, there was a part of me that was holding on for you, for Ashton. And I was like, I cannot, I cannot do this to her when it comes to like suicide. But at the same time, I was in this dilemma of like, man, honestly hating God. Yeah. Because it was like, you put me through this crap. And then if I try to end it, you're going to send me to hell. And I think so often people say, you know, um, it is such a spiritual battle, but you just need to pray and God will get you through it. And have you been praying? Like, you know, have you been praying? And so I think that there's that, that feeling of, and I, I mean, you can say I'm wrong cause I, I don't know, but I think there's that feeling of, I've been praying so long for God to heal me or for this medicine to work. And it's just not. And this is like nine months of feeling this way, if not years yeah. because I know this had been going on for years before I even we even got married before I even knew about it and I think like the fire and the medication all of that just made it 10 times worse and so it was like just this anger with the Lord it was you know it was just trying to numb and I think there was so much yeah I was bitter yeah. I was very bitter um and angry, so angry at God. Um, and I, man, I had some complex questions. You did. You I still, used to I, throw at you. You did. And I, I mean, I. Sorry, I shouldn't be laughing. <laughs> I mean, you did. You'd throw these complex questions at me. And I'm like, I don't know. Call your dad. Like, he's a pastor. He should know this stuff. Like, I, and I, I just, I think that you, like, you didn't want to know the good answers. Like you didn't want to know the answers that would defeat your questions because in your head, it was easier to live in the fact that like God wasn't real or God had forsaken you. Like those were all kinds of like things that you wanted to live in. Cause it was just easier than facing what you were dealing with. I think. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I got to a point where I said, screw that. And Honestly, I can't even say that it was God that I was holding on to. It really came down to you. Yeah, and I and and I think at some point I kind of went out the window too. I think. Well, yeah. In 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 certain moral aspects, I think, um, you know, you hang on hung on to life, but I think that still was a struggle. But I think you know, so coming into August, Robert. Well. To interject real quick, to bring a little light, um, eventually down the road, um, after a lot of healing and therapy and everything else, I had just this moment where God showed me just that passage where he's talking about faith like a child. And I remember having a dream about that and, um, 
it felt like the Lord was telling me, you don't need to know it all. You know what matters, and yeah. that's me. And uh, that was that. I was like, that's all I need to know. He's right. I don't need all the answers. I've yeah. got the only thing that matters. So true. I mean, it's so true. I think we all kind of sometimes need that smack in the head and <laughs> a little quick reminder from the Lord. Um, but, sorry, there's a bug flying around here. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, Robert really started to withdraw from me when the drug usage started. Um, he had a supplier. He had an easy way to get it. Um, and he was really withdrawing from me as withdrawing from everyone. You were withdrawing from everyone. Uh, I mean, we would sit down at the end of the day and I'd look through his phone and I'd be like, you know, this guy texted you, this guy texted this guy. And you're telling me that, you know, people don't care about you, but I'm confused because all these guys are reaching out to you. How can you even say that? But yeah, there's this barrier of wanting to, everything was skewed. Like getting those texts, just feeling like, oh, they're just, someone told them to do that. Like they, they don't care about me. You know, yeah. and, and everything was skewed and, and I just couldn't bear opening up to him for real. So it's like, I'm not even going to text him back. Yeah. So yeah, my phone would just be full of stuff. I mean like 20 some text messages from all of his guy friends, like way more text messages than I would be getting. But I mean, just amazing texts of guys from our church reaching out, friends from the army reaching out, siblings, and Robert would just be so non-responsive. But he also was pulling away from me. And that was something that definitely became a warning sign where um, he had gone on a guy's trip for a weekend. And then the next weekend, um, you know, Friday rolls around, I'm getting off of work and I get a text that says, hey, I think I'm going to go camping with the guys. Um, And he was nowhere where he told me he was going to be. Um, And I remember having a panic attack. And being like, you know, you told me you were going to be in this location and you're nowhere near that location. Where are you? Yeah. Um, And of course, I immediately jumped to he's cheating on me. And and I think because of what had led up to that, because he had been so evasive, he had been so checked out with everything. It was the only place my mind knew where to go. Because for me, like drug usage was so far-fetched. Him lying to me was so far-fetched that I didn't even think about it. And I had previously had someone cheat on me. So I had been hurt in that way prior to meeting Robert. So I think that that was like the only thing my mind could come to because it felt so familiar. So, um, and I mean, you can interject me at any time and, you know, insert your. Yeah. Well, there's really, there's only one little blip I remember of that night, if I'm being honest. The night that I texted you and told you to come home. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, it's not an easy memory. Me crying on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. Me basically leaving. Yeah. He came home and he um. He found me crying on the floor in our bedroom, our master bedroom of our old our rental house, and. Um, I was so beside myself because I couldn't understand why he had told me he'd be at one place. I just kept catching him in these lies back to back to back. And he just kept saying, I love you. I love you so much, but I really feel like I need to go. Um, And 
And that just hurt. It just felt like daggers were, were just stabbing me repeatedly again yeah. and again because I... Yeah. And I was just under that veil. Yeah. Just numb. Absolutely numb to myself, to others. Yeah. As a husband. I mean, Lord only knows. Yeah. I mean, so it just, you know, that weekend was really hard because I was leaving for the beach to go down with my family that next day. And... And I'm sure that there were, and I know there were a few other times throughout the like past, there were three weekends in a row that basically Robert did not want to be home with me where I had either convinced him to stay or he did go somewhere or whatever. Um, that Saturday, so that was a Friday night, that Saturday, you know, he told me he would um, be home in time for breakfast or something weird like that. And so he, he was, um, I think, and we, you know, I left with my sister. We drove to the beach, the seven hours to Hilton Head, and Robert was going to come down on Tuesday night because he had to work. Um, and I remember not hearing from him all day. And in those last um, three weeks, I mean, I might, I probably went to work maybe five days. Yeah, I think you kept calling out. I did not know that. Yeah. I was completely unaware that you kept calling out of work sick. You were making up excuses as to why not to go to work. You were saying that you were feeling good, like feeling bad or I was feeling bad or. And that's kind of, it goes back to the scary part because I just don't remember that stuff. Yeah. It's like this dark side of you. Yeah. Um, and, and I think this came as such a shock to me too. It was so not Robert. It was so not the man I fell in love with. It was so not my husband that I couldn't. I remember even saying to you that night that you left, who are you? Like, what have you done with Robert? Because this is not my husband. And I, I was so lost. I was so confused. I was so hurt. And, I, you know, I left for the beach. And I had this, I just remember feeling so sick the whole way to the beach because of how we had left it the night before. How, hmm. you know, checked out you were. How emotionally blunted you were. I mean, I was sobbing in the bed beside you. And I think you just were like... I can't deal with you right now. You know, just stuff like that. And I, I think, like, it, it hurt me really badly to, to be in that room, um, which is why I'm so thankful that we got out of that rental house because I feel like it holds some really rough memories for us. But Absolutely. Um, yeah. But, you know, we, we drove to the beach, and I watched Robert on Find My Friends drive right back up to the spot that I had found him at the night prior. Yep. Um, I, I like I could see him traveling back to that spot and I'm like, what the heck is in this random podunk town in North Carolina that he needs to be there? Is there some girl? I just couldn't understand. So I kept trying to call him and call him and I eventually called your mom and I said, I'm really worried about Robert. I don't really know what's going on. I can't get in touch with him. His phone is going to voicemail. Um, and your mom called me back and she said, Actually, you know, Robert's sister has also contacted me and she's very concerned as well because Robert was supposed to meet her for lunch. And I remember we had set that plan. You will meet Jane for lunch and you'll go have lunch with her in Hudson and, you know, that'll be that. And um, you, you canceled plans and you sent her some very bizarre text messages that made absolutely no sense. Yeah. And, um... I mean, I don't remember that. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, you, you did, you went back right to it. And, um, yeah, it somehow it got really late. I mean, I don't really know how, but it continued to get later and later and later. Yeah, and I remember, um, 
yeah, I remember pieces of that night. Um, and that was kind of the night um, where everything got just really bad. Really bad. Um, I was on more drugs than you can count on your hands. He should have been dead. Um, Let's put it that way. Just completely, yeah. So many drugs that are not, like, not even over the count, like, not even, like, pill. Like, it was like you were taking the hard stuff. Like, stuff that I had to look up and be like, what the heck is that? Because it was just, like... It was all... Yeah, I don't want to get... Yeah, we... We talked a lot about this. I don't want to glorify that. So, I'm not going to just rattle out a list of things. Yeah. Because I I don't think that'll do any good. But, you know, I will say, I remember thinking, honestly, that I could, like, find this higher power. That was what this guy was preaching to you. Because I remember getting on the phone with him once I finally figured out how to get in touch with him, this guy who was dealing for you. I remember finally getting in touch with him. Well, he wasn't dealing. Everything he just gave me. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, he wasn't asking you to buy. That's what was so weird. He was like Satan with the apple. Like, just take it and you'll know like what God knows. And that was pretty much like, like, hey, take this, sniff this. Yeah. Throw this. I mean, yeah. And I mean, he really was. He was like Satan presenting you with the apple of like, you will have more knowledge. And I remember talking to him on the phone and being like, Robert is not in a good spot. Like I was hysterically crying at the beach. I'm seven hours away. I'm trying to figure out how to get to you. And he's like, I've got him. Why are you so concerned? Like Robert, Robert's great. He's fine. He's, he's getting in touch with his higher power. And I mean, I lost it. I lost it on him. I called your mom and I said, you've got to go get him. You have to go get him. And, um, yeah. And I, I mean, I was able to get in touch with a really good family friend who has been <laughs> such a blessing. Yeah. Um, he's the original OG. And I, I don't, the original OG. Or the, the original, original gangster. <laughs> um, I don't think he even knows how much of a blessing he is, but he lived close by. And Dave, was, you know who you are. <laughs> was able to get in the car and was able to find Robert. And, um, I, I remember begging my parents to let me drive that seven hours to go pick Robert up. And I couldn't. They wouldn't let me. So I booked a flight. Yeah. And um, I remember getting so excited when I got that phone call that they had found you. You were covered in mud. And you were soaking wet. And you were watching Johnny Quest on the couch. Which, if that tells you how much of a child at heart Robert truly is, that's been his favorite show since he was, like, like an old enough to watch TV. Um, and so I think it just breaks my heart to hear that because it really, like, wasn't him that did all of that. But I'm sorry I'm crying. <laughs> um, I think the thing about it is, you know, Dave was able to talk to you and say, like, Hey man, what you doing? I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember Dave talking to you? You know, I remember. Like it's just it's pieces. I remember Dave sitting down next to me. And I think you said like, Dave, what are you doing like, here? Yeah, I was just so happy to see him. Yeah. And had no idea the implications or what had happened, and 
this will this is something that'll stick with me. Um, but I remember him saying, you know, Ashton's really concerned about you. How about we step outside? And, um, I mean, come to find out, I guess there was guys with shotguns going around the perimeter and stuff. So yeah, I didn't realize kind of how deep I was, but, um, I mean, it was like a full blown party that Robert was at, um, where he was just basically walking up to anybody and everybody and asking them for anything. And I think, you know, the more we kind of delved into this night with therapists and with um, each other, with, you know, family that was supporting us, um, it really came down to the fact that Robert wasn't trying to kill himself, but he didn't care if he lived either. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's a good way to put it. It was, um, it, it was the attempt to escape and feel numb, whatever the cost. Yeah. And, so uh, it wasn't necessarily a suicide attempt, even though, like, like Ashton said, it is by the grace of God that I'm alive. Totally. Um, absolutely. And. You know, I know God has a plan for my life and with us. And, um, yeah, uh, yeah, I also remember, I remember seeing my mom and my dad in the middle of the woods. Waiting for you. Your dad, and uh, your mom had woken your dad up in the middle of the night. Yeah. To drive to find you. And, uh, you know, at the time I had no idea, but during that, I just remember my mom giving me just a huge hug. You did. She said you came and laid your head on her shoulder and she just hugged you. Um, and I don't, I don't know if your parents have ever said it, but I can imagine that they were very scared that night. I mean, your mom said that people kept trying to come up and talk to them and convince them to let you stay, but your mom just said that she was just happy to have you. She wasn't going to argue with anybody because it wasn't it wasn't what she wanted. It, it was life and death. It she was, really wanted to just get you out of there. At that point, it was, there was spiritual warfare. Totally. And, you know, I might be, you might think I'm crazy. But when you're getting into la- that level of drugs, you're, you're opening up a whole nother dimension. Yeah. And uh, it, do- it digs in. It, 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 it's some big hooks that hook on to you and you really open yourself up. And, um, I, and I think cause like God's grace was poured weird. over me that night because I wasn't there. Yeah. And so like, I mean, I praise God for my parents and for Dave because I mean, I wasn't in a position to make the right choice for me and Lord have mercy. I'm glad those people didn't get their way. Yeah. And I, I mean, truly, like I really do think it was God's mercy on me that I was not local because I don't think it would have been the same in any way, shape, or form. I don't think I would have been supported by other people because I don't think I would have reached out to anybody else. I think I would have just gone to try and find you by myself. Yeah, and that probably wouldn't have been good. No. But, I mean, <laughs> you know... Sorry, I, sh- I laugh when I'm nervous. He does. You, <laughs> um, you know, your mom um, did say that she... Uh, she asked you multiple times that night. I think your dad drove your car. You had the dogs with you. They were like roaming around. He managed to grab them. Um, so he drove your car and followed your mom. You got your mom lost like 20,000 times because you kept telling her you knew how to get home. And 
I don't know why she believed you because we all know that you're horrible with directions. But sober. Exactly. <laughs> um, and you got her lost, really, really lost. But um, you also wouldn't tell her what you were on. And yeah. I think had she known everything you had taken, she probably would have taken you to the emergency room right then and there. But um, you really were not forthcoming with that. Yeah. And I remember a week later, we actually had Robert requested to be admitted into the VA hospital after he had some time to sober up and some time to look back and reflect on everything. Um, and so we admitted him into the VA mental health um, acute care program, which was a 10-day stay. Um, and at that point in time, the the nurse asked, or the doctor asked what you had done, like what you had taken that night, and she was baffled. One, at the fact that we didn't take you to the hospital, and two, to, at the fact that you were alive and we didn't take you to the hospital. Yeah. There was stuff that she didn't even know what it was. Yeah, and I think that that's God's grace and mercy poured over you, that there is a higher calling on your life, that he... Yeah, and for anyone who thinks that they can find that within themselves or through a drug... That is absolutely not true. Um, Because I've done it. I've been there. I've tried it. um, And it just comes up empty every time. Yeah. You got to pay the piper. You go up and you go down. And I think that the drugs was something that we had to work through. But so was the lying. And... It It took a long time. Not well... It took about a week um, after that night. I remember my mom and my dad stayed with me for a little while. Um, I went down to the beach with them. Yeah, we all like right we all after. kind of stayed together at our house. Well, you had come a few days later. Actually, not accurate. No. <laughs> no, I flew home at four a.m. the 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 same night. Yeah, I remember that. I stayed with your dad in Greensboro. That's what it was. You stayed with your mom by yourself, and I stayed with your dad. And your dad kind of really counseled me through a lot of it, what to prepare for, what to know, um, you know, going into it, what just kind of also, like, where my heart was and where my head was while your mom was really trying to get to the bottom of what happened. The truth and the lies. Yeah, because there was it was so muddled, and you were still so in the throes of lying and you still were craving those drugs so badly that you oh it would oh man it it just pissed me off i remember my mom (laughs) we were attached at the hip she would not let me go and everything i mean like i said they drive hooks in you and i could not see reason no you couldn't i was but your mom like i needed her to do that because Oh, I praise God for that. Yeah. I do, because it was like, oh, let me take the trash out. She'd follow you to the trash can. Because <laughs> I was about to book it. Yeah. And because I was, yeah, I don't know if it was dealing with the shame or what. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember. But you- I just, it, it was just cloudy. Everything was cloudy because I was not thinking rationally. I wasn't thinking about, okay. Everything I'd done to you, everything, man, your parents went through, your family at the beach, my family, 
my brothers and sisters had all stayed up the friends, night. My Dave, family had all stayed up that night. None of that was computing. Yeah. It was, I mean, I just, I wasn't thinking. Yeah. I mean, I, I know, like, I remember having that conversation with you of why can't, why, why are you not upset about this? Why are, like, I would just get, would get so frustrated. Why are you not sad that you hurt me? Why are you not crying? Well, I mean, I, I think I asked you that so many times. Why are you not crying? And I remember you looking at me and telling me that if you actually let yourself feel the weight of the shame that you were felt like you would have, if you actually thought about it, you would want to kill yourself. Yeah. And, you know, that was a really hard thing for me to hear. You know, you went down to the beach and I think being on an island where you couldn't get off to save your life <laughs> unless you swam. I remember um, the withdrawal was so bad mm -hmm. I um I mean my entire body was telling me to go back and um I remember calling so many people but I just kept walking on that beach I don't know how many miles I walked you are I mean yeah you walked the island but just back and forth back and forth because I was like if I stop walking if I go in and I I mean, I remember talking to Nathan. Um, I think you talked to your brother, to Joe. My brother, Joe. And uh, just being so raw with it. I mean, the thoughts going through my head. I mean, it was a spiritual warfare. I had opened, and, and you know, my brother told me this and told my parents this. And I'm glad he did because it kind of opened up and gave them wisdom and how to deal, how to deal with me. But... Um, just of the addiction that these things cause. Yeah. And, and it literally changes your chemical makeup. Well, and I think not and, even just that. I mean, I know we're getting really long on time and I'm sorry that this has been such a longer, long episode, but I feel like it's not something that we can skimp on, but I know that you really, you really struggled with, there were moments where you had that emotional breakdown. I mean, we were at your sister's house for your birthday and you laid on the couch crying for your entire birthday party. And you even called your brother, Joe, and talked to him and cried on the phone with him. And I don't think he understood what was happening. You spilled your guts to him. You even told him everything you had been doing. You told him about the drugs, but he, I think he, it just, because none of us knew what that meant, what any of it meant was so confusing that. Joe didn't recognize it. And that's okay. Like, that's not his responsibility to recognize it. But I think there were moments where your shame came crashing down on you and you did spill your spill your guts out. But I think that it's still something that, you know, you couldn't quite get out of. You were still so enslaved to the things that you felt like were helping you to numb out. And so that it just... It just compiled and compiled and compiled. And finally, it came to a head that night when... Yeah, and at that point, it wasn't even like, oh, there's a part of me that wanted to get help. No, no, Deep down, no. I was completely lost. I was gone. I was a goner. If it wasn't for Ashton, if it wasn't for my parents, my family, um, I mean, I would have been dead because there wasn't that anymore. I was gone, and they it literally... It took a long time to get back. 
they wrestled me to the ground and dragged me back. Yeah. And, um. But I think, you know, to kind of wrap this up, just since we are getting long on time, I think something to say is we did say this at the beginning and I'm going to reiterate that this is a story of redemption and we're not, we're not done with our story yet. We still have a lot more to share and, um, we hope that this didn't just completely deter you and just bring you down. We know this is heavy, but this is like, this is a story of redemption and God is so good. And Robert was found that night. He was saved and he did have a support system around him. But please remember there are people that don't and there are people that don't get found and yeah. there are people that don't get saved because they don't believe in the Lord. Or and they so, might be medicating in a small, in a, you know, not as intense way. So they, it's, it's a longer drawn out thing. I mean, but, you went from like zero to hundred and, and so I think those are just things that I kind of want to reiterate at the end is like, God is so good. And yeah. there is and so much I think much that's redemption. the way to end it. Because, sure, for so long I lived with shame. I mean, utter shame. And there were times where it just overtook me. Um, but man, God just, he was there for me. And he opened up the scriptures to me and... I mean, man, how, I mean, how many promises do you find in the word where it's about us sinners and how much God loves us? (laughs) You know, I mean, he didn't come to heal, you know, he came to seek and save the lost, you know, and he surrounded himself with sinners, you know, and when he was questioned about that, it's like, you know, the, the healthy don't need doctors. It's the sick. Yeah. And and there's been times where God just reveals his love to me, and it, it just overwhelms me. Um, it really does. Because it's uh, unconditional, and I think that's the crazy part. It doesn't matter. I think there's times where, man, you have an off day, you feel weird, and it's like in your mind you rationalize, oh, well, I'll do better tomorrow. As if you need like 24 hours to reset with God, but he's always there. He's always there with open arms. Yeah, that's so so true. Well, thank you guys for listening and um, I guess we'll see you next week. Yeah, sounds good. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Hey folks, real quick, I want to tell you about a need to have product for your home the Auto Fire Guard, or better known as AFG Fireball. This product performs better than a fire extinguisher or overhead sprinkler system. Ashton and I wish we had known about the Fireball prior to our house fire, but we sleep better now that we have one. Get yours today at quoradistribution.com. That's Q-U-O-R-A distribution.com. And use code HELDTOGETHER at checkout for your discount. Again, that's HELDTOGETHER. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in our episode this week. We hope you subscribe and give us that five-star review. We would like to thank Alex Manring for our artwork and Audio Jungle for our music. The podcast was done by Robert and me. We'll see you next week.